This week's podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals that will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the wait list at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Today, we're going to talk about all the reasons you tell yourself that you can't invest in real estate. Yeah, this is a really important topic. I think, first of all, let's kind of agree that anybody can invest in real estate. It doesn't matter your level of education. It doesn't matter how much money you have. But I think the problem is, is that we all tell ourselves that we can't invest in real estate. And it all comes down to something called limiting beliefs. Yeah. And so limiting beliefs are something we learned about in Tony Robbins events. And what they are, they're the beliefs you tell yourself that hold yourself back. And the key here is, That it's not something anyone else is telling you. It's something you're telling yourself so frequently that you're actually believing it. And it becomes kind of your worldview. You walk around with it almost like a a lens that you apply to everything. And so we're going to cover some of the most common limiting beliefs that we hear our students say, and actually some that we've said ourselves many, many times as well. Yeah, I have to say that despite uh, working on our own mindset for you know really the last, uh, I'd say, 16 months or so, we still have problems with limiting beliefs. Uh, they crop up all the time. And you know what's also interesting is that as you challenge yourself more, right? At least for us, you know, as we get into bigger and bigger properties, the limiting beliefs come back. I mean, the fears uh, come back. It's not like they completely go away uh, and that you conquer them. They're always there. Yeah, I think anytime you try something new, you're going to be faced with a lot of limiting beliefs. That's just part of the territory, a lot of fears. You know, this is not just applicable to real estate. It's applicable to life. And anytime you push yourself out of your comfort zone and you try something new. So let's jump in. And why don't you start with number one, Kenji? I don't have enough time. Okay. Well, the reason why uh, Leiti wanted me to do this one is because until even until recently, I've been saying, you know, I don't have enough time. And yeah, I think all of us, right? All of us kind of say this to ourselves. You know, we're so busy in our work. We feel like we don't have enough time for our kids. We don't have enough time for ourselves. We don't have enough time to exercise, right? And then think about adding something new on like real estate. Like you have to learn real estate. You have to build your network. You have to find properties. You have to evaluate those properties. Then you have to manage those properties. I mean, imagine all the things that just pile on in terms of time-consuming activities. It's not surprising that this is something uh, that uh, people tell themselves all the time. And I think it's probably the number one reason why people say they can't invest in real estate. And so for me, even until recently, I was actually saying this. And I think the thing that really changed it for me was just being pushed to go out and hire some people, realizing that if we can go out and actually hire some people to do some of the things that are not adding a lot of value I mean, it's valuable to us, but it's not valuable for me to be doing that work. 
I think that made the big difference because I realized that, man, you know, if we do hire the right people, then it does actually free up our time to do things. And that's kind of one way, you know, that we've kind of overcome this issue of, I don't have enough time. Yeah, I agree. Hiring people. But then I think what it underlies that is thinking that I do have enough time for what is my priority or what are my priorities for exercise, for example. I can't say that I consistently exercise every day, but I realize that's because I'm not making it a priority. There are people who are super fit, like who are in the gym for two, three hours a day. And that's just because it's their priority. It's not necessarily that they you know, have less work than any of us. It's, it's just purely that they made that a priority and other things aren't necessarily going to get done to the level maybe that you would want. For example, you know, like laundry. My mom does laundry every day. And that's how I was raised. And so, you know, oftentimes I want to do laundry every couple days, minimum. But Kenji, on the other hand, is on the fence of, you know, let's do laundry once a week or maybe a week and a half. So, you know, maybe you give up some of those things like the laundry has to be done every two days in exchange for saying, you know what, my priorities are, I'm going to find financial freedom. I'm going to accept myself in a position that five years from now, I'm not going to have to rely on my job. I'm going to be there for my kids. And that's more important to me than having my laundry done every two days. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, another reason uh, that uh, people, another common reason that people uh, tell themselves that they can't invest in real estate, which is, uh, I don't have enough money. Yeah. So that's a really, really common one too. And I think the key with this one is there are some obvious ways of, of getting money, right? You, for example, could save up money and that's the money that you have for your down payment. Or you could save up a ton of money and then just buy cash for a property. But there are so many other ways that you're overlooking that you have access to money. So one really common one that our students use is like a HELOC. Because a lot of people have primary, primary residences that have gained value over the years. And there's something called lazy equity that's sitting in that property, not working for you. And you can take that money and you can get it working for you, making you cash flow. And suddenly you've just taken money that you already had and mobilized it. Same thing with your 401k. So some of you know with the CARES Act, now there's the ability to take $100,000 out of your 401k without paying the 10% penalty as long as you pay it back in the next three years. So that's money you have that you can access. Yeah. And then there are also a number of other ways that you can uh, creatively finance properties without actually spending money. And I think, you know, to kind of put this into context, when we uh, run our course, right, I think this is one, one of the most common excuses that people have. And these really are just excuses, you know, and I think the problem with leading with, I don't have enough money is that you actually just stop problem solving, right? Instead of saying, I don't have enough time, or I don't have enough money, what you, you know, what if you were to kind of flip that around and say, how do I find the money for this property? How do I, uh, you know, finance this without putting any of my own money into it, right? And if you start kind of asking those how questions rather than leading with, you know, I can't do this or I don't have enough this, then it totally changes things. And so if you were to ask yourself, then, then that's what we do. We tell our students, hey, think about this, like, how can you figure it? How, how can you find the money for this property? And that's when the creativity comes out. I mean, we are all naturally creative. We are all, all naturally problem solvers. Once you get your brain moving and thinking, then you can then actually start figuring this out. And I'll give you an example. One way you can do this is you can maybe ask the seller, hey, can you be the bank? Can you provide me seller financing? Can you loan me the money, right? And that would be one way for you to maybe buy a property with zero money downs, none of your own money, or maybe very little. And then another way would be something that is called a Burr project where 
That's when you buy something really cheap, you make some renovations to it, and then you uh, get a renter, and then you refinance it after you get a renter, and then you pull all your money back, pull all your money out. And the initial money actually doesn't come from you. It can come from something like a hard money lender. Uh, And that's just a short-term loan that you can get. And at the end of the deal, you actually pay yourself back and you pay the hard money lender. So you have none of your money in the deal. And again, that's another way you can purchase a property with no money. Yeah. So that was really well said. I think what you're trying to say is there are a ton of solutions for actually every single one of these, but it all comes down to your mindset and the questions you ask yourself. And if you ask yourself the right questions and you have the right mindset that you're going to find a solution for something, you can work all of these out. The logistics just work out. With that, let's keep going. So I live in a high cost of living market. So logistically, this one works out because you don't need to invest in the market where you live, right? You invest where the numbers make sense. You live where you want to live. Or maybe you live where there's no state income tax, but that's another story. Key here is that you can invest out of state. And a lot of people don't even consider that as an option, right? They've got in their mind that they can't invest out of state. So they just need to invest locally. And because it's a high cost of living market and they can't cash flow, then they can't invest. And you know that's, again, shutting yourself down from even looking for options because you have this mindset of it can't be done. Whereas if you start to think about solutions, again, you can invest out of state, go to a place where your money goes a lot farther and where you can cash flow. And then you've built yourself a source of income that's going to supply you, you know, so you don't have to work in your day job if you don't want to. Yeah. And then I think the, the other way that people kind of come at this one is that they say, I can't invest in an out-of-state market, right? Again, you got to flip that around and ask yourself, how can I invest in an out-of-state market in a safe way, in a low-risk way, right? You got to kind of ask the, the right question uh, as, as opposed to just shutting down right from the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, Kenji and I, initially, we started investing around us, but actually we were forced to invest in an out-of-state market because we wanted to diversify and because we wanted to be able to find more cash-flowing properties. But it was such an amazing experience because when you have this really great team, I mean, we have properties we've never been inside of and we have purchased and we've had for years now that are cash-flowing and they're great properties, but we didn't even see them. And so that is possible with the right team. Real estate investing is not just you. It's actually you have a team that helps you. Yeah. So let's talk about the next one. Uh, The next one that we hear very often is uh, real estate is too risky. Yeah. And I think that one actually stems from thinking about real estate in how you think, hear about it in the media or maybe on TV, which is appreciation plays. So appreciation plays are when people buy properties and they hope that they're going to appreciate the market's going to go up and they're going to make a ton of money really, really quickly. And that is risky because you have no control, right? You're hoping that the market's going to appreciate. And if it does, then you're going to end up okay. But what happens when that market doesn't appreciate, right? Well, what we do is we do a ton of risk mitigation to make sure that we're not just relying on appreciation, that we're getting cash flow, that we know all the numbers accurately before we even purchase a property. You know, we have the right team in place, checking all our assumptions, getting us more data. I mean, we do so much risk mitigation. It's insane, right? And so I think that real estate has this kind of dirty image in a way because of the ways that so many people do do it and they get burned. But that doesn't mean that's the only way to do it. Yeah, I think this one uh, actually stems for a lot of people from parents who either had bad experiences or they themselves have 
these fears and limiting beliefs. So when they see their kids going out and doing something like this, right, something that seems so risky, they tell their kids, hey, it's too risky, don't do it, right? Or as Leti was saying, I mean, yeah, they, they have one example of a friend who invested in real estate and it was just a really bad experience for them. And therefore they say, oh, I can't do this, right? It's too risky. And what's so surprising is that, you know, the, you know, a lot of our listeners, I mean, they're scientists, right? I mean, they're doctors or, you know, they're, they're ultimately they're scientists. And like, you know, why would you ever base a decision based on an N of one or an N of even 10? There are, you know, you know probably millions of people investing in real estate out there uh, making a lot of money. And you're basing, you know, your fear of it's too risky on just a, a few people's experiences around you. Yeah, I think you also bring up a really good point in terms of community and how important it is. So if you're thinking about getting into real estate investing and you're around a lot of people that are not doing it and they're just scared, that does really influence you and it can hold you back significantly. Whereas if you're around people who are supportive, who are pushing themselves out of their comfort zone with whatever they're doing, it really can make you much more likely to be able to take action and I got to give my parents credit. I think when, when we first came back from New Zealand, we're like, we're becoming real estate investors. I know they were probably scared for us, right? Because they followed the very traditional route of, you know, go to school, like get a good education. My father was a doc, you know, like I was a doc, like it kind of follows that. And then I come home and I'm like, hey, we're real estate investors. Like that's out of the box. But to my parents' credit, they actually, you know, read some real estate books and have like part, really supported us along the way. But I know a lot of friends are not like that and a lot of family members are not like that. So it's so, so, so important to find people around you who are pushing themselves out of their comfort zone and to be around them too. Yeah, for sure. Surround yourself with the right people. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now, we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close a deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semiretiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. Also wanted to give a shout out to Tyler Curley of Path Insurance Solutions for being a sponsor of the show. Tyler is who we go to for all of our insurance needs. We first started working with Tyler when we bought our first investment property, and since then, he has not only helped us insure all of our investment properties, he's also helped us with our personal insurance needs as well. Tyler's an invaluable member of our team for our investment properties because he's so knowledgeable and he also finds you the best policies without breaking the bank. So the next time you need insurance, be sure to reach out to Tyler at tyler at pathins.com. Now back to the show. So let's talk about the next one. Very, very common one, uh, which is I don't know enough, right? That's a fear that people tell, tell themselves that'd be a reason why they, yeah, they just don't feel like they can invest in real estate. The key with this one is, did you know enough to be a doctor when you first stepped foot in med school? And the answer is no, right? You had to get a basic education. You had to practice. You had to make mistakes and learn. And the same thing with real estate, right? You're not going to know everything you need to know on day one. 
But if you find somebody who is like a, you know, attending, it's a mentor who's been through it, who has that experience, who's made a ton of mistakes along their path and are doing exactly what you want to do, that type of person can help you, you know, move along, get that knowledge you need and get there that much faster with less mistakes. But it's going to take work, right? You're going to have to put in some time. You're going to have to put in some, you know, some time with an education. You have to build the team. It's not something that's like, get quick rich scheme where you spend very little time and all of a sudden the money starts rolling in, you actually have to do some work. Yeah. I, I don't know if this analogy is useful, but I, I kind of think of real estate, like, real estate investing like, like snowboarding. Like, you know, to really master it will, will probably take years and years and years, but you can get to a level of competence fairly quickly. Again, it, I'm not saying it doesn't take effort. You, it definitely takes effort and definitely takes knowledge, but I'm comparing it to you know, med school plus residency, that volume of knowledge and information, real estate, there's a lot less information. You can actually become competent fairly quickly if you, you know, if you learn the material efficiently, if you learn the right information. I think there's so much information out there. You can get very overwhelmed very quickly. And that can actually maybe be contributing to, to this notion of like, oh, it feels like there's so much information out there that I don't know enough. But in reality, you can actually condense that information down and teach somebody very efficiently you know, if you put that information together, if you take the time to kind of you know, cobble that information together. So again, I, th- I think that this is just an excuse. You can learn this stuff. And also, if you, you know, have the right educational resource, then you can, you can learn it uh, fairly quickly, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's also about focus, right? Because if you go into real estate and you're saying, you know, I'm going to buy a trailer park, I'm going to buy a self-storage and I'm going to go buy a multifamily all at once. Like your focus is all over the place and you're never going to get that knowledge that you need to really do it well. And so part of the key here is knowing what you want and focusing on it. And that all starts with having a goal of where you're going. And so, yeah, there's a lot of different components to it, but yeah, that's true. So next one is, I don't know the right people. So do you want to say what you think? Yeah. So this one is, I think, a common one. I mean, the right people involves a lot of different people when people talk about this. But I think one of the ways that people talk about this is is that, you know, why would somebody bring me a deal, right, instead of some investor who's been investing for 20 years, right? And, uh, you know, and to some degree, there's truth to that, right? I mean, the people who've been investing for 20 years, I mean, they've built a relationship with the people who are bringing them deals and of course they're going to you know they're going to get great deals but that doesn't necessarily mean that you know you're not going to be able to position yourself to get that deal uh, in the future so uh, so i don't know know the right people i think is kind of what late talked about you have to build the right team in order to be successful in real estate investing by team i mean you know you need to have a lender insurance person you need to have a property manager contractor you need an investor agent right i mean these are components of a team. And yeah, you know, initially, again, it may feel very overwhelming to go, how am I going to put together such a big team of people in an out-of-state market where I've never been to, right? And so it can feel pretty overwhelming. Again, I think what Leite mentioned, having a mentor helps, having um, somebody who can actually introduce you to their network uh, certainly helps. And so, yeah. And so when I had this problem, I'm going to kind of tell you a story. I mean, for me, I ran through a lot of these kind of limiting beliefs uh, when I was thinking about investing in large multifamily, like, you know, those 200 unit apartment complexes that 
you know you see being built up in downtowns uh, all across the U- all across the U.S. And you know, to me, I was just like, you know, I, I'll never own one of those, right? Uh, because I don't know enough to invest in those. I don't know the right people. How do I? How do I even get the network and the context to to be able to invest in something like that? So I was telling myself this too, but you know what I did? I went out, I got a mentor and, and then got introduced to the right people. And now I've invested in a large apartment complex, a large syndication. So, you know, as, and as the general partner, I'm the, on the side of the deal where, you know, we put together the deal. And so I went from, in, in a six month period, I went from telling myself, I don't know the right people. I don't know enough to, to investing in a large apartment complex. Yeah. I mean, this all reinforces fear is just a natural part of growth. And it's all about managing your mindset. And part of what you brought up, I think as well, is scarcity versus abundance. Because the scarcity thinking says, you know, I'm never going to get a deal. Everyone else is going to get the good deals because I'm just new and I'm getting in. And that's just not true. There are tons of deals out there. If you create the right relationship with your investor agent, they know that you're going to be a long-term partner of theirs. You know, you're not just going to buy one. They know you're going to buy two or three down the road. It's important they're going to support you too. So yeah, I think the, the right team will help you get over this fear over time. All right. So let's cover the last reason you tell yourself you can't invest in real, real estate. And that is, and maybe this is not for everybody uh, if you're not married, but... Uh, but this is a common problem for people who are married, which is my spouse won't let me do it. Mm-hmm. And we see this a lot, actually. And so this is a real problem because I really think, I really believe that if you and your spouse are partners together and you have a common goal, you will go so much farther. With Kenji and I, we keep each other accountable. We keep each other honest. If one of us vetoes the deal, then the deal's not going through. And then we keep each other motivated because we both are working towards the same goal. So you will get farther faster if your spouse is on board. There are a couple ways you can try to get your spouse on board. I think one of the most important ones is you could sit down with them and talk about your shared goals and where you want to be in five years, where you want to be in 10 years. Because it may be that if you see that path of where you want to go and you look at where you are now and your sources of income, you you and your spouse will realize that that's really not going to get you there. And your spouse will start to open their mind to other ideas. Yeah, I think of this like uh, rowing a boat. You know, one person, if one person is rowing one direction and the other person is rowing the other direction, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. I mean, it's really hard to make progress. And, and also, you know, you're, you're getting negativity throughout, right? And I, I, you know, we have examples of, of students who are in the situation where at every step of the way, they're, they're always being told, this is too risky. You shouldn't be doing this. And there, there are situations where the other spouse won't even actually let you use your shared money for real estate, right? But in cases where somebody actually just is able to take their money and invest in real estate, I mean, it's like at every step of the way, they're just getting roadblocks. Uh, and I think that's a really, really hard way to invest. And I think, um, you know, it really slows down your progress. Uh, whereas, yeah, if you have a common goal and you have a strong reason, a combined reason, then you're willing to give up right? Okay, we're not going to go buy that Tesla. You know, we're, going to, we're not going to go to Starbucks anymore and we're going to buy a coffee machine, right? And so you make these kind of shared decisions because, yeah, if you don't have a shared decision, one person can just you know, go spend and do, do their own thing and the other person's trying to invest in real estate. I think yeah. it's really tough. Yeah, it's tough, but it's not undoable, right? Everything 
is figure outable, as Marie Forleo would say. So, you know, we do have a lot of students who are investing without their spouse's, you know, day to day support, but they are, you know, they have the support of the community and they're using their money and hopefully their spouse will come alongside in the, in the near future. So it's not impossible. Yeah, that, that's funny, actually. You know, when we were talking about this, I was actually expressing the limiting belief. I wasn't actually, you know, giving, giving the reason why you, or telling you that you could overcome this, right? That's actually the, the real trick here is like, okay, well, how can I invest in real estate even though I don't have the support of my spouse, right? That's how you turn that limiting belief into a better question. So. Mm-hmm, exactly. Okay, well, hopefully you found that helpful to go through some of the most common limiting beliefs and the ways to overcome them. And we have a lot of articles about this as well. And always in our Facebook group, you should feel free to join semi-retired physicians or semi-retired professionals, and we can continue the conversation there. So with that, we'll see you next week. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.